the expanding field for mayor of New York City. I'm Jared Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Momentarily, we're going to be joined by Zach Iskell, who's running for mayor in the Democratic primary happening June 2021. So without further ado, let's bring on our first guest today. That's Zach Iskell. Uh, Zach, this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette with Jared Murphy of City Limits. Thanks for joining us. Ben, it's, uh, it's great to meet you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate you taking the time with us. Um, Today is actually a perfect day to have you on, considering it's it's Veterans Day. Um, why don't you tell us and tell folks just a little bit about your bio, your resume, your background, um, so people get to know you a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You actually got, just caught me. I just finished this just in time. I was changing a diaper uh, ah. right before getting on here, which is sort of one of the benefits of of largely campaigning in the time of quarantine is, is you're around your family a lot more. It actually is very relevant for Veterans Day because last year I was one of the grand marshals for the Veterans Day parade here in New York City, and uh, changed a diaper on the uh, on the float, the grand marshal float last year. Um, so there's actually some few, few people in the mayoral race will be able to say the same. So I, I think I'm probably the only one of the of yes. very big field that'll be able to say that. So my background: I was in the uh, I was in the Marine Corps, I was in the infantry and special operations throughout most of my 20s. I did a number of deployments to Iraq, uh, served all over Africa, the Middle East, uh, spent a little bit of time in Pakistan, came home, uh, started building a business. Um, and uh, around that time, I was in one of the hardest hit battalions of the Iraq war. I was in 3rd Battalion, 1st Marines. And we started to lose more of our Marines to suicide than we did uh, in combat. And we lost 33 Marines in combat. Over half our battalion, about 576 Marines were wounded in Fallujah in 2004. It was one of the biggest battles of the Iraq War. Um, and so in 2011, uh, I started a nonprofit called the Headstrong Project in partnership with Cornell Medical Center here in the city. And our mission was to provide world-class mental health care that was cost-free, bureaucracy-free, and most important, effective. And uh, it's now one of the leading providers of mental health care in the country. We're in 28 cities and counting, um, and very proud of the work that we've done there. To to this date, we have not lost a single Marine or, or veteran to suicide. In addition to that, I've spent the last 10 years helping people get health care um, and building a business that helped people get jobs. So that's what I spent the last decade doing. And then most recently, I, I served as the deputy director at Javits Medical Center and uh, led the turnaround of Javits uh, from empty beds uh, to being one of the only successful COVID hospitals, uh, auxiliary COVID hospitals in the country. Thank you. Um, and, and thanks for your service and, and the work and the work you've been doing since. Um, before we get into your reasons for, for running for mayor and, and what that platform looks like, just today on Veterans Day, um, what what is it that New York City veterans, you know, veteran military veterans living in New York City, and and this could apply, of course, beyond New York City, but in New York City especially, what are the biggest needs that you identify in that community that is obviously as diverse as, as many other communities? But what are some of the big needs that military veterans face at this at this moment? <laughs> Yeah, I think in some ways that's, that's the wrong way of looking at, at military veterans. Um, it's much less about what they need and much more about what they can do for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I met my wife in the wake of Hurricane Sandy, uh, helping lead efforts out in the Rockaways, volunteering with a veterans organization called Team Rubicon. That's one of the largest disaster relief organizations, all veterans. 
And, you know, I met my wife digging out the Rockaways, um, working with veterans. I think veterans can bring a tremendous amount to the city. You know, in the time of COVID, uh, they've been on the front lines as healthcare workers. They've been on the front lines delivering food to New Yorkers in need. Um, and I think that as we are entering some very, very profoundly difficult times for the city, rather than looking at what the needs are of the community, I think more the city should really be looking at how can they activate veterans to solve some of these problems that the city is facing? Mm-hmm. And and what would you say um, are some some examples of what that would look like? Yeah, I think a lot of it is is you know veterans bring a tremendous amount of can do attitude. They're team players, and I think most importantly, and this gets into some of the reasons that that I've thrown my hat into the mayor's race. Veterans are outcome oriented. You know, they they care deeply about about solving a specific problem and accomplishing a specific mission. And so whether, you know, no matter what issue you are talking about in the city, um, you know, most politicians care about the political outcome. Is this going to help them get reelected? Is this going to be good for them politically? Uh, veterans aren't built that way. Um, we care less about politics and more about getting things done and more about what that specific outcome could be. So if I was, you know, you know, I think things that veterans could be helping with, you know, in addition to some of the things I already mentioned with the COVID crisis, you know, veterans have a higher percentage of business ownership. You know, as the city is looking to create businesses, it should be looking to veterans to start them. Uh, some of the most successful businesses, especially a lot of franchises, look specifically for veterans um, and have veterans set aside because they know that their veteran owners are more successful than others. If you're looking to increase the roles of our social workers, increase the roles of our mental health care workers, because after this COVID crisis, we are going to be facing a mental health care crisis in the city. We already are. Um, we should be looking to veterans to step into into those roles. I mean, I think the, the opportunities there are endless. If you're looking for people to be able to provide mentorship to youth, you know, veterans are the, the first place I would look. So uh, let's let's talk about your decision to jump into this race for mayor, which is very uh, fast developing and fast approaching. Folks, uh, I, I remind everybody as often as I can, June, you know, it's a new newly changed to June primary. So this is going to be um, coming soon. But uh, what was the decision process there? What was the biggest reasons that led you to decide to run for, for mayor of New York City? Yeah, it, it wasn't any one particular thing. It was certainly an iterative process. Um, a lot of it had to do with some of the things I saw at, at Javits. Um, you know, we had 16 federal, state, and city agencies working there. And one of the things that I saw was, you know, the hardest part wasn't turning a what's called a federal medical shelter. So when, when Javits was first set up, set up, it was built as a, as a federal medical shelter, which is essentially a shelter for people during a hurricane or an earthquake. There was no real medical capability there. I arrived there on probably, I think it was around March 27th. We had a lot of bed space, but we didn't have any real medical capability. And within a short period of time, um, we had to figure out how to get enough oxygen into the building uh, to treat people with COVID. Once we, once the decision was made that we were going to be allowed to treat COVID patients in, in Javits, um, how do we get oxygen in the building? How do we get continuous monitoring of pulse oximetry? How do we do something as simple as a nurse call button system? All of that had to be built within a matter of days in order to make sure that we were ready for, for the um, apex of, of, of the disease. But that wasn't the hardest part. It wasn't building the hospital. It wasn't treating patients because we had we had remarkable 
doctors and nurses and paramedics working in the building. The hardest part was really dealing with some of the politics outside the building. And what I saw is that, you know, there are, you know, politicians who practice what I call the politics of small, meaning they would they would rather see failure and something that they could blame each other for than, God forbid, that they share in its success. And I saw that and I saw that people were suffering. And I also saw how remarkable the, the people from those 16 federal, state, and city agencies were who we had working in that building. And I saw what we were able to accomplish together when we all got on the same page. And so that was the starting point. Um, and then as I, as I started spending time all over the city, um, I saw that playing out, you know, in sort of every single issue that we were really suffering, no matter what issue that you're talking about. It wasn't really so much um, the, the underlying issue that the city is facing isn't COVID, it's leadership. And I think that the city is ready for um, and really desperate for leadership uh, to lead us through this crisis and also provide a vision of, of where we could be going as a city. All right. So let's hear a little bit more about that vision. Where do you where would you want to take the city? Uh, are there some big planks, big ideas that you're sort of anchoring your mayoral campaign around? Are there are there certain sort of um, policy goals that you you know can outline at this point for people um, that you think, you know, will be sort of the, the anchors of, of this campaign that you want people to get behind the vision um, that are that sort of go beyond a different type of leadership than we've seen from Mayor de Blasio? Yeah, so it's it's a, it's a great question. I think number one, you know, we really need a mayor who shows up. Um, what no matter what issue that you're talking about, you know, that's facing the city, we need a mayor who who shows up and is going to be focused on what those potential outcomes can be. I think as you look at some of the crises that the city's facing, the next mayor is going to have to do two things. He or she is going to have to have a vision for where we're going, but they are also going to have to manage us through some pretty profound crises. And I think the only way that you can do that is by having, you know, when I was in the, in the Marine Corps, the best officers were people who were out on the front line. They were getting the information firsthand. They weren't just waiting for for it to, you know, get sanitized as it came up the chain of command, up to their command post or up to their headquarters. They were out there seeing the problems firsthand for themselves. And I think if we had a mayor who is sitting down with restaurant owners, we're in danger right now losing 50% to two-thirds of our restaurants in the city. That is a five-alarm fire. Restaurants are responsible for $10 billion in wages, $27 billion in taxable revenues. It's also the reason so many of us live in the city. I mean, can you imagine what this city looks like if we lose half of our restaurants or two-thirds of our independent restaurants? A quarter of a million New Yorkers work in that industry. If we had a mayor that was out there talking to restaurant owners, talking to West, uh, restaurant workers, uh, he would know that, that one of the biggest challenges they face isn't COVID. It's dealing with the city. right? And so I think, you know, it's one thing to think about, like, what could the city be doing? I think another thing is also what can the city not be doing? You know, what are things that the city could be doing so it's not putting barriers up for restaurants to, to open or for restaurants uh, to be able to operate? Um, you've got a lot of restaurants that in a time when they've seen revenues down, they're still paying, you know, absurd amounts of fines um, and fees to the city. I mean, if you install a new HVAC system, you have to, you know, um, pay the city a filing fee to do that. I mean, that's ridiculous. They should be, you know, incentivizing businesses to do that in the time of COVID, not disincentivizing them. Hmm. I think on top of that, you know, if you look at, you know, uh, some of the violence that's going on in our communities, 
we had a mayor who actually showed up in places like Howard houses, right? One of, uh, one of the, uh, uh, more violent projects in the city. You go out there. It is a remarkable community of people who are suffering deeply. If the mayor went out there, he would see that there's probably a dozen, two dozen things that the city could be doing on a shoestring to stem violence. So I think that's number one is, is having a mayor who actually shows up, cares about outcomes, and is going to also marshal all the resources of this city to solve these problems. I mean, I'll give you one other example, which is you look at school reopenings. You know, when you when you practice the politics of small, you're always looking for somebody to blame. And often with this mayor, it's, you know, the real estate industry or it's the private sector. If the mayor had reached out to the tech community maybe eight months ago and said, I need you to figure out a way of providing a world class online education to a million school kids by September. I think we could have figured out how to do that. You know, or if God forbid he had reached out to the real estate industry. Right now we have a ton of empty real estate, especially in Midtown and all around, you know, empty office buildings with world class HVAC systems. The mayor could have reached out um, to the real estate industry to convert those empty offices to classrooms to be able to provide an in person and healthy and safe education to our kids. But he doesn't want to marshal all the resources of the city. This city spends almost $90 billion a year. That's more than 48 out of 50 states. I think it's almost as much as something like the next 12, 15, or maybe even 20 largest U.S. cities combined. So on this radio show, we can go around and start naming cities, right? San Diego, Mm -hmm. San Francisco, Houston, Dallas. The city spends more than all of those cities combined. And yet... You know, we're not delivering outcomes to the people in the city. One out of two New Yorkers has faced a year of poverty in the last four years. We have, you know, in Manhattan and Brooklyn, you're seeing, you know, massive amounts of violence, increases in homelessness. And I think when you think about that, those resources that the city has, that's not enough because we also have that just begins to scratch the surface of the resources available in this town. If you start adding in the private sector and then people in this in this community. Yes. So are there some things that you that you know at this point you'd want to sort of turn those resources into doing? Um, are there are there program models that you've seen elsewhere or are there things done previously in the city that need to be, you know, reinvigorated, uh, given given fresh eyes, fresh resources, different ways of, you know, uh, tackling whether it's crime or uh, affordable housing or, you know, any any of the sort of pressing crisis that the city is facing? Are there are there specific sort of solutions that you have in mind that you want to put forward? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's there's no end to potential solutions. I think number one starts with with accountability, which is holding um, city agencies and city offices accountable to specific outcomes. And I'll give you an example of that. You know, you look at the way that the city deals with homelessness. Um, there is a ton of just waste, fraud, abuse. I mean, apparently there's some investigations going on, potentially some very real corruption. So that, you know, when you look at things like what's going on in the Upper West Side, the city's creating lose-loses instead of win-wins, right? Putting those homeless men up in hotels is not good for them. It's, it's, um, they don't have the services that they need. There's a great example of, of a program that we should be implementing here in the city, which is uh, a good friend of mine, Jason Kander, who ran for office out of Missouri, probably in the running to be the uh, secretary of the VA. He runs an organization that provides housing to homeless veterans. And so he takes over a small plot of land about five acres. He built tiny homes, but he doesn't just put homeless veterans into those homes. 
Um, he gives them all the services that they need to either get back on their feet or to provide them the long-term care that they need um, uh, for those that, that suffer from very real long-term mental illness. And that model is, is it costs less than what we're doing now. Um, you know, there are some models like that that um, I believe he actually in particular tried to expand and do here in the city. He couldn't navigate the city's bureaucracy, so I believe he's now doing it across the river in New Jersey. Um, but there's 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 no end to places that we can look to for for innovation um, models that we could be investing in. Um, but I think it really starts with an understanding of of accountability and what's what's the outcome that we're trying to get. We'll obviously um, be having you back other times to talk more about the campaign as it unfolds. But in our last two minutes here, I'm wondering if you can um, sort of tackle a two-parter. One, give folks a, a little bit of a sense of sort of where you fall in the Democratic Party in terms of your politics and how you describe it. Um, there's obviously a lot of of debate and, and discussion around, you know, pro- progressives versus moderates. And I know that's often way too simplistic, but how do you sort of describe your politics? And then two, um, you know, how are you thinking broadly speaking about going from, you know, relatively unknown to trying to win this mayor's race in, in the next seven months here? Yeah. So it's, it's a great question. First off, the, the first part of it, I, I don't really understand the question. You know, I, 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 you get that question all the time from the press. Mm-hmm. I love you guys for asking the question. No, I hear it's you. an important question. But, you know, it's, it's you know, I care. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply progressive. I care deeply about making sure this city works for all New Yorkers. I believe that, that, that we are going to have to look beyond government to provide those, those solutions. Um, and I believe that we have an obligation to be taking care of each other. You know, it's one of the most important lessons I learned as a Marine is that it's not enough to just accomplish a mission. It's about taking care of your Marines. I've been doing that for two decades. Um, and I think that's true in a city like New York as well. Um, in terms of in terms of the field, you know, I plan on talking about things that a lot of other folks are not talking about. But I think that are really important. You know, I it's another reason that I jumped into this race. As I said, it was iterative. You know, there are issues that people are not talking about in the race. We've lost half a million jobs in this city. Nobody's talking about how we bring back a million. You know, we've lost a third of our small businesses. We're in danger of losing a half to two-thirds of our restaurants. Nobody's talking about how we bring them back and what we can be doing today to support them. So I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of bread-and-butter issues, things that people are talking about at the kitchen counter. And, you know, I plan on being the candidate in the race that's talking about those specific issues that really matter to everyday New Yorkers, um, uh, you know, jobs, health care, um, safety, security, um, and making sure that we're able to build this functioning city um, out of this pandemic. All right. Well, it's good to good to have you on for initial talk and, and we wish you well out on the campaign trail. We'll definitely have you back uh, soon to chat some more and, and dig into some specific issues that uh, that we didn't get to this time. But thanks. Thanks very much for the time. Yeah. Thank you guys Zach, for having me on. And thanks for the work you do. I know it's not difficult covering uh, these issues in a pandemic, but you're all doing a great job. So thank you. And uh, to all the veterans listening, happy Veterans Day and thank you for your service. And same to you. Be well. All right. Bye.